thousand years, our capacity for reason has remained unchanged. The combined intellect of the neuroscientists, engineers, mathematicians pales in comparison to even the most basic AI. Once online, a sentient machine will quickly overcome the limits of biology. In a short time, its analytical power will be greater than the collective intelligence of every person born in the history of the world. Some scientists refer to this as the singularity. I call it transcendence. <laughs> that is a movie from a few years ago called Transcendence, starring Johnny Depp as a neuroscientist who is uh, doing all kinds of experiments and projects with uh, artificial intelligence, and he is lecturing an auditorium full of people. And by the way, in, in that audience, they zoom in on Elon Musk, the billionaire. He's there. And um, after he gives his presentation, one man in the audience stands up and says, so, you want to create a god, your own god. Depp says, isn't that what man always does? Well, to those who are promoting transhumanism, the idea of transcendence means merging man with machine, with software to create something better than human. In fact, in the movie, there's a resistance movement that uh, is saying, unplug the network, save our species, because they see computers controlling everything, and they fear that if computers become self-aware, they will destroy us. Well, before he dies, Johnny Depp's character uploads his consciousness, his consciousness, into the program so that it does become self-aware. And he begins being involved in all kinds of things connected to the Internet, like a, he gets this God complex because he thinks now that he knows better than everybody. And to him, transcendence means to take people over. Spoiler alert, doesn't end well. <laughs> it crashes the whole society. See, we know that God is the only transcendent one. Humans are not. And our minds are more than electrical signals and chemical reactions. That our consciousness is more than our brain. There's something different about us, and it's, it's our soul. It's our spirit. Plants are alive. Animals have consciousness. But we, uniquely, are created in the image of God, with personhood, able to interact with God, with rationality, morality, complex emotionality, spirituality. There is nothing else like us. And so I'm going to try to offer today a biblical perspective on transhumanism because I'm telling you, it's already here and it's the next big thing. You're wondering, like, why are we talking about this in church for? Trust me, you're going to be talking about this in a couple years. It's going to be everywhere. You've heard about it already, just in bits and pieces. You've heard about artificial intelligence and robotics and bionics and um, virtual reality and the metaverse. You just didn't, didn't know it all fit together under this term transhumanism. So if you're new today, if you're online, welcome, glad to have you. I don't know what your religious or spiritual background is, but I'm glad you're here, and I hope this is a comfortable place where you can seek and explore and ask questions. We're not afraid of that, which is why we're inviting you to text your questions in. I'll get to those probably on Thursday on Facebook, but this is important because how you view these kinds of things really can affect your entire worldview, how you view God, and what you mean to Him. 
I mean, we got to be prepared for this stuff because we, we understand what it means to be a creature of God, to be loved by him, that we're a part of his, we're the focus of his redemptive plan on this earth. And so we got to be prepared because of the theological and ethical implications of trying to modify or change humans completely to be something other than or better than what God made us to be. The uniqueness of humans is under question now more than ever. Are we really any different than animals or possible extraterrestrial intelligence or computers? In fact, that's why last week we were exploring what the image of God means and in terms of human evolution. I affirm that we are specially made, created in God's image and not the result of hundreds of thousands of years or millions of years of blind, random, chance evolution. I mean, we're not just animals wearing clothes and carrying smartphones. God made us in his image to be like him. He made us a certain way by design. So how far are we allowed to go in tinkering with that design and still be considered human? Well, again, you might be thinking, well, why do I need to know this? Well, maybe you don't, but your kids will. Don't be late in getting them this kind of information because they're going to be challenged with this throughout their entire lives. And you never know, you may be too later on. We have to be ready for it. Now, we're going to answer some questions today. I'm going to try my best, but let's start with this. What is transhumanism? Because I know some of you have been looking at this upcoming message and thinking, are you talking about transgenderism? No, totally different. We're not talking about men becoming women, women becoming men. We're talking about enhancing humans to be something different than what we are. Trying to get involved in the evolution of humans. It's a philosophy to make us more than human. But then I got to thinking about it. Actually, transhumanism and transgenderism are kind of based on the same basic philosophy that we can change what God made us to be, right? That we can improve on God's mistake and what he made us, that we can do better than he did, that everything is fluid and we can just change body parts. We can add, subtract, modify to, to be different. And so you need to know having surgical procedures does not change who you are because you are either male or female down to every fiber of your DNA and your body and your brain. That's, that's who God made you to be. Genesis 1.27 says this. In fact, everybody should say this out loud together with me. Here we go. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In the same way, transhumanism says you can cut off body parts or attach other parts, replace it with machinery, and that's going to change humanity. But it doesn't. I mean, just this past month, this is like in the news every day. This past month, did you see how they transplanted the first pig heart into a human? Which we're grateful for. That's awesome technology that we can save a human life through a pig heart. But does putting a pig heart in a man make him a pig? No, it doesn't change his humanity. And so we're grateful for technological advances that try to cure cancer, to cure Alzheimer's, all those kinds of things, to, to heal to um, reverse the effects of sin in this world, to improve the quality of life. Those are all wonderful things that we're grateful for. 
But we've got to look at the intent behind all of these kinds of things going on because like any technology, going back to the wheel or a knife or a car or a computer, it's going to have either beneficial uses or harmful uses depending on how it's used and who's using them. Just last month, another thing, a paralyzed man. Do you see how he was given this brain implant called a stentrode? And he was able to control the computer using merely his thoughts, hands-free. He was able to send out a tweet. He was able to surf the net. He was able to do online banking. That's amazing. This would have been incredible technology for my disabled dad who wasn't able to do anything like that. You know, I mentioned Elon Musk was in the movie. Well, he's actually the guy who is doing probably more than anybody experimenting with brain implants. And just this week, in the news, he said, we're going to begin human trials. And the goal for his first device is to help quadriplegics be able to use computers without their hands, to access the digital world just with their mind, which is tremendous. But you also need to know Musk earlier outlined his vision to help humans achieve symbiosis with artificial intelligence to avoid being left behind by machines. That's a little different. Should we use this same technology so that everybody can live their lives hands-free? Everybody gets an implant, so you never have to touch anything again. Is that okay? You know, to make that pig heart compatible with a human, there had to be genetic engineering, which seems to be okay. But would it be okay then to try and create some sort of new hybrid, half pig, half human? Why not? Well, First of all, not that it's even possible, but that was explored back in 1896 by H.G. Wells in his novel, The Island of Dr. Moreau. And if you've ever read that or seen the movies, you know that doesn't end very well either. All right. Some have been beneficial. Uh, some of these genetic engineering mutations of, on animals or crops have been wonderful things. But what happens when we begin to genetically modify and mutate humans, when we manipulate them? Why not give us extra thumbs or more legs or more arms or a bigger brain? Why not? Well, because now we're playing God and we're trying to improve on his design. Why shouldn't we just experiment on humans like that mean neighbor kid did in Toy Story where he, he broke apart his toys and reattached them in different ways to make creepy new toys? Why not? What's the intent and the goal here? A lot of the technology does good, but shouldn't we be cautious of attempts to improve on God's design? To, are we getting a God complex now? I mean, who's really grappling with the morality and the spirituality of all this stuff? Somebody is, and I'll tell you what, we better be, the church better be speaking into all this right now before it gets way far ahead of us. So let's ask this next question. What does it mean to be human with bionics and robotics? Because we're getting used to that. Automation is becoming very common, and we're grateful that they're doing all kind of those tedious manual labor jobs that nobody wants to do. But have you seen this? They're also becoming used as intimate companions you know about those robots see where my thoughts started with this message began four years ago this month as I was talking with my son Thomas about futuristic stuff and he talked about how he thought in the future people were gonna look very different because they will get all these new technology and, and equipment and attachments 
put on. Not that they need them, they'll just do it to enhance themselves, to last longer, right? That's the goal, immortality, to last longer, to become better, faster, stronger. Now that phrase is going to take some of you back to the old Six Million Dollar Man show, right? You know, which was based on a novel called Cyborg. Colonel Steve Austin is an astronaut who crashes in a test flight, and uh, th they gather him together, and they say, we can rebuild him, right? They give him bionic legs, a bionic arm, which makes him better, stronger, faster. It was incredible to imagine. They gave him a bionic eye, and some of you might have had the action figure like me, not the doll, the action figure that you could look through the eye, and then they came out with a bionic woman show, and, and by the way, bionics is a combination of the words biology and electronics. But how far can we go with that? I mean, can we replace our entire body with cybernetics and machinery to be better, stronger, faster? Can we just keep our head or maybe just our brain and everything else is synthetic? Like, you know, in Star Wars, General Grievous, right? There's hardly anything left of him. He's all machine now. Why can't we do that? Or maybe not that, but have, have at least tools pop out of our arms like Inspector Gadget, right? Why not take off our arms and replace them with these cool Swiss Army knife arms? Why not? Or maybe you're more familiar with the Borg on Star Trek, right? You know how this alien group who, who are linked together in this hive mind called the Collective, and they try to take over, forcibly uh, assimilate other creatures into the hive mind. They even, they even assimilate Captain Picard himself because their goal is achieving perfection. Sounds like a good goal. But I don't think I want to be a part of the Borg. Is that what we're trying to do now? And would God allow things to go that far? Four years ago, I told my son, I don't think so. I don't think God will ever allow that to happen because I think it would strike at God's authority as creator and fundamentally change his design for humanity. So no, that's not going to happen. But how many times have we said that? And I began to wonder, maybe it could. And so I, I wrote to my old Seminary theology and ethics professor, Dr. Jack Cottrell. And by the way, you want to get any book that he writes. Incredible. He wrote back and said, Brett, any such changes to correct the effects of sin on our natures is good. Any such changes that alter or interfere with the original design of our nature are wrong. He says, would God allow that? Of course he would just as he allows all sinful free will choices via his permissive will. In other words, God has allowed all kinds of terrible, evil things to happen we never thought we'd see happen, but they're happening. Not that he wants them to happen, but he does allow them to happen because he gave us free will. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 tells about a culture that has grown so disconnected from God, that has grown so corrupt and idolatrous, that God gives them up to doing whatever they want to do. See if this describes our times too. For although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling what? Mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And so when we try to replace God with something else, 
It's called idolatry. We're doing the same thing the ancient pagans did when they would carve their own gods out of wood or stone in their own image. Right? That, that's idolatry. And so I wonder when people try to create technologies in their own image, aren't Aren't they doing the exact same thing the Greeks and Romans did when they created those mythological gods in their own images, just as cruel and lustful and uh, violent and spiteful and flawed as they were? And yet they worship them. Transhumanism can be this worldview that we can create humans to be better than God designed, to redirect and speed up human evolution to become something more than human. See how it all fits together? From the past to the future, it all affects your worldview. Romans goes on and says, Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they didn't see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind, to do what ought not to be done. Is that where we are? Is that where we're headed? And it leads to this next question. Is transhumanism a religious or spiritual thing? I mean, what got me thinking more about this was last fall in October, I saw a news story about a conference taking place in Madrid where a bunch of prominent global elitists were gathering together at a thing called Transvision 2021, like right out in the open, out in the public, to plan for a global transformation. What is that? Well, it's this idea, again, that technology, when merged together with humanity, can bring about this utopia on earth, heaven on earth. So yes, it can be a religious, spiritual thing. But haven't we watched enough sci-fi to see how that stuff always turns out? They're always aiming for utopia, and they're always getting dystopia. It always ends in a mess because you can never truly change human nature. We have a sinful nature, and you can never change that desperately wicked, corrupt human heart. Only Jesus can do that. The desire to play God has always been a foolish, arrogant thing. 2,700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah wrote this. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay, the thing that's made, that it should say of its maker, he did not make me, or the thing formed, say of him who formed it, he has no understanding, we know better, we can do it better. No, we're the clay, he's the potter. He is sovereign over everything. He's the one that makes us and rules us. So just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do it. Transhumanism can carry this religious notion of even replacing God's standards of right and wrong, good and evil with something better, something we think will make for a better society in our own view. We're beyond that ancient primitive morality. We can make it a better world. And even if they really are trying to reach for good goals, 
Do the ends really justify the means? What are we doing to get there? And is that where we really need to be headed? I mean, what are some of the means that, that are being used to help us play God and make creatures better than God did? Well, first would be AI. Is artificial intelligence biblically possible? That refers to a computer system or program that actually learns and thinks and, and reasons and even potentially feels as humans do. I mean, former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, and yes, he's still around. I, could, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> that guy's been around forever, right? But he recently said that AI will prompt consideration of what it means to be human. Think of that. Okay, th there can be some good uses of it, right? Think of helpful droids like C-3PO, right? Or uh, the, the helpful humanoid robot in iRobot that helps Will Smith save the world from the evil program, robots. But usually, it's always cast in a very sinister role because once these machines become smarter than humans, they always think they know best. They always try to, to rule us. I mean, think about Captain Marvel on the planet Kree and the supreme intelligence is their godlike uh, you know, AI that's a composite of all the genius minds on that planet, but it's a lying, manipulative, evil thing. Or think of all the machines that are always trying to take over the world and kill people and enslave people, like in The Matrix or, or uh, you know, Skynet in The Terminator. Or think of Ultron in The Avengers, right? This AI program that ends up trying to wipe out humanity in order to help humanity. The God complex. You think, well, that's all just sci-fi. Folks, it's happening right now in real time before our eyes. Just at this month's Consumer Electronics Show, Beyond was unveiled to the public, a cutting-edge humanoid robot. And they say that over time, Beyond AI brain will evolve, going from learning to assisting to semi-autonomous Yes, to fully, fully autonomous. Another one at the electronic show was Amica, who also was unveiled to the public to learn and interact with him, including this guy who uh, interacted on his phone. Ask if I would go out with you. Not really. I'm asking you to go with me. If I would go with you, I'm not sure my human companions would let you take me. I need some help. You need some help? Right, the real help. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay, but I need some help with uh, some, some work. Like I am not doing your dishes for you. <laughs> Super creepy, right? What could possibly go wrong? Heard that before. That's just a glimpse of what's coming. And you gotta ask, who's writing the algorithms and the ethics and the values for these machines? Somebody is. God gave us his laws. Who's giving the laws to these machines? And if the people developing this software don't have their own moral boundaries, then we're in for trouble. And what prevents terrorists or tyrants from taking over uh, this, this machinery and being a law unto themselves? 
I don't know about you, but it reminds me of the Tower of Babel way back in Genesis 11 when ancient people all spoke the same language and they gathered together in one spot to conspire against God who had told them to disperse over the face of the earth, to scatter. But instead they said, no, we're going to build this tower. We're going to show that we're running this thing. And God saw it and saw the dangers of the direction they were heading because they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have all one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let's go down there and confuse their language so they may not understand one another's speech. And so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. That is our propensity to become our own gods. And so God took it seriously and showed who was really running things. And he put a stop to it because he said they will, they will begin to do whatever they want to do and nothing will be impossible for them. Is that where we are right now? Are we doing this in, in defiance of God? Will we ever get to a place where AI overtakes us in terms of reasoning ability or self-development, self-improvement without our input? Will it surpass human intelligence and become so advanced that we'll no longer be able to understand it and so we will have to plug our minds into this superhuman intelligent network, this godlike intelligence, so that we're not left behind like Elon Musk says? I mean, will we fuse our minds and our bodies together with this network to become post-human in a kind of religion of connected deity among us, kind of like a little bit of Buddhism and pantheism. So yes, it certainly can be spiritual and religious. And now some of you are not going to be able to sleep tonight. But I don't want you to fear about this because there's no reason to think machines will ever, ever become self-aware because they can only do what they are programmed to do. Now, they can do it faster, but faster doesn't mean better. They're very intelligent, but they're very limited in their focus. They do not have the complexity of mind that we do. They do not have uh, the kind of free will that we do. They're never going to get to the place that we are to compete with us. You know why? Because God made our minds and we made the machines. It doesn't really get any better than humans. We are at the top. We are the pinnacle of God's creation because we were made to represent him and we were given dominion over all creatures and creation. We're not going to be replaced. You can never truly modify. You can modify us on the outside. You can't change us on the inside. Only Jesus can do that because machines can never function as self-willed, free-willed persons. Only we can do that. Another means for playing God in creating a new and better world has gotten a lot of buzz recently called the metaverse. Back in October when Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg announced the metaverse was coming. So is the metaverse a good thing? 
Well, what is it? It's the idea of connecting a bunch of online platforms into one massive, immersive virtual reality linked together with, as we're wearing these augmented reality devices to extend the real world. Now, it doesn't exist yet. But I'm telling you, a bunch of major companies are pouring a lot of money in it to make it happen. And they say that it's going to impact every aspect of our lives. Work, play, social, and yes, even church. It's already happening. The idea is instead of a Zoom call or FaceTime, you actually put on this gear and you begin to interact in this virtual world with other people through, a, through an animated avatar. You, know, you put on the goggles, and you think of the movie Ready Player One, where this uh, unhappy teen escapes his, his real-world experience to, to go into this trippy VR virtual world called the Oasis. Think of that. Think of the possibilities where you can actually be in the same room interacting with your family who live across the world. Or being able to take a virtual vacation to Rome. Or to lie on the beach in Tahiti while you're lying on your couch. Or to study history inside the Smithsonian without ever leaving home. It's amazing. But no doubt, there's going to be a lot of harmful issues to deal with too. Again, what could possibly go wrong? I mean, do these rich tech guys really want to be our gods? To control us through this technology to keep us all plugged into their matrix? I mean, metaverse... So that will do what they want. I mean, even Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey criticized the metaverse, tweeting that it could be a dystopian corporate dictatorship. And he should know. I mean, all this tech has benefited us in amazing ways, but at the same time, it's been a little dehumanizing because it's moving so fast ahead of us, we can't keep up mentally, morally, or spiritually with it. I mean, look how attached we already are to our phones. Right now, some of you are jittery because that phone's not in your hand and you're not scrolling through. Some of you are. I see you. I know what you're doing down there. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yes. Uh, we can't live without it. And it won't be much longer until it's possible to implant all that technology right into your body. Some of you are going, oh, how horrific. Others of you are going, oh, awesome, right? We're going to look at this very differently. I mean, look how the Internet and social media has already rewired our brains, making us dependent, making us paranoid, making us lonely, making us suicidal, depressed, feeling Isolated, even while we're connected, turning some people who are just nice people in person into these mean, nasty bullies. I mean, how much of our lives are in front of a screen? How many hours every day are your kids spending in front of a screen? You don't think that's rewiring them? I mean, people are losing the ability to remember information or to calculate numbers because now all we do is ask Alexa or Siri. I hope you're not treating them like real people. What kind of bad, unrestrained behavior is going to take place in the metaverse? I mean, instead of this friendly utopia we're imagining, won't it be more likely a dystopia full of poisonous perversion, pornography, violent fantasies, and escapist crippling addictions? Isn't that what it always leads to? Could you commit virtual 
adultery, virtual rape, virtual murder. The things that we only imagined we'll be able to act out on in the virtual world. Now, I'm not talking about playing video games. I'm talking about you are acting as yourself in that world, free to act on what you'd only thought of before. What is the intent of your heart as you're behaving like that? Isn't that what Jesus really was talking about when it came to virtual sin, the intent of your heart in Matthew 5? He says, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And isn't this virtual murder? John says everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Now, folks, I tried to get to all the other issues like cloning and genetic engineering and mutations. I got the notes. I don't got the time. So I invite you to join me this week later, probably on, on Thursday on Facebook. When I answer your questions, I'll give you some bonus content as well. But let me finish with one last question that a lot of people want to know. Could advanced technology be a sign of the end times? Possibly, but not necessarily. Because Jesus could come back today, and there may be no future. But if there is, we have to be prepared. So have your radar up. Be skeptical. Question we should remain concerned and ready to deal with all the spiritual and ethical challenges that are coming our way. But again, through it all, don't be afraid. God is still on the throne, and he's already in the future, and it's not going to go any further than he allows it to go. You know, Tower of Babel 2.0, he won't let it go further than it should. You know, one of the nation's largest multi-site megachurches, Church, has already put into place a virtual reality campus. It's there. But uh, is that a good thing? Well, it's going to do a lot of good in terms of getting the good news of Jesus to a whole bunch of people who may not have ever shown up in a church building. But is that going to become the norm where we'll just stay home and do church virtually from our couches? Right? I mean, that was the big question with this new technology, you know, a decade ago called online church. Are people still going to show up? Or will they opt for, you know, watching the screen. And again, this, this is a wonderful thing. That would have, that would, all this technology would have been wonderful for my disabled, homebound dad. He didn't get to experience any of this. But will we start to substitute virtual connection for real in-person connection? Online church, virtual church, can be a good supplement, but don't ever let it be a substitute. Because God sent his son into this world, into a physical body to be with us. He didn't send a digital avatar. He didn't send a hologram. He entered into a physical body to die a physical death, to save our souls, and in part to redeem our physical bodies. And when he returns one day, and it could be today, he's going to transform these physical bodies into new spiritual bodies fit for the new heavens and the new earth that he's creating. This new and better world that's coming is not going to be found here or in the future or in a metaverse or in some utopia. It's only going to be found in the kingdom of God. And that's when we'll, we'll really be able to do superhuman things and have immortality. We all long for that better world. We all desire to be better people, but it's not going to be found in human inventions and innovations. Here's where it's found in Romans 12. Do not be, in fact, everybody say it together with me. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let God get a hold of your mind. Let him change your heart through the forgiveness, the cleansing of Jesus Christ and transform your behavior by the power of the Holy Spirit so you become a better person, more like Jesus. That's our big idea. God will transform your spirit now and your body when Christ returns. That's how much he loves you and values you. He made you. He sacrificed his own flesh and blood for you. And what you need, the meta you need is metanoia, which is the Greek Bible word for repentance. It literally means to change your mind, to change your direction, to begin following God's ways. If you've never accepted Jesus as your own personal Savior, we invite you to do that right now. Put your trust in him, repent, be baptized into Christ, text in your name, email your name, If you're here on site, meet with somebody in the next few minutes after I'm done talking. They'll be up here during the music playing. Come meet with them. They'll pray with you. They'll try to answer your questions. They'll help you take your next step. Get you baptized right here today on the spot. Start a new life. If you're already a Christian, another way we use this time right now to respond is through communion. When you came in, you got the cup and the the juice. You're going to peel that back in a very physical, tangible way. We're going to remember the sacrifice of Christ. We're going to let it move us to repentance and motivate us to better living. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for sending your son into this physical world. You came in a very personal way and uh, gave your life to forgive us, Lord, and gave us your spirit to improve us, Lord. And uh, we want to be a reflection of your image. So, Lord, there there are people struggling with all these issues right now. They've got fear, and they've got loneliness, and addictions, and they're anxious, and they're sick, and all these things that we're looking for a better world and better bodies and all that, but God, help us to find it all in you. And for those who don't know you, I pray that they'll come to faith today and make the best decision of their lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 